Welcome to the Health Buzz podcast provided by the Curry Health Center Wellness Office. The hosts on the show are students and peer health educators. Health Buzz was made to create a safe space for the UM student body to have frank conversations about health, provide practical skills, and foster resilience and connection through lived experiences. My name is Kendall Butler. I use she, her pronouns, and I'm majoring in communication studies and women gender sexuality studies. My name is Ray Gordon. My pronouns are they, them, theirs, and I'm majoring in community health and women's gender and sexuality studies. Today, we have the sublime treat of being joined by our full Health Buzz podcast team. And so our editor, Tori, is here, and our coordinator, Alex, is also here. Hi, my name's Alex Donaldson. My pronouns are she, her, and my major is community and public health. Hi, my name is Tori. My pronouns are she, her, and my major is community and public health. So our question of the day is, if you could jump into a pool filled with anything, what would it be? What would it be, y'all? Dude, ew. Um, A pool filled with anything? I think I'm going to have to say, oh, no, I know what it is, dude. It's boba tea. It's a pool full of boba, and there's tea. It's like a lavender, like, milky moment. There's all these boba pearls around me. I'm swimming in them. I'm eating them. I have a straw. It's very, it's very good, I'd say. That sounds absolutely amazing. What about you, Alex? That's a good question. The boba tea actually sounds very nice. (laughs) I can definitely picture Ray doing that. (laughs) Um, hmm, probably filled with my favorite iced coffee drink, which is oat milk and lavender and honey. So there we go. (laughs) That just sounds sticky. Um, I I think I would I would go with like unflavored Jello. It's just because I feel like it'd be a really strange texture that you like. Yeah, I don't want to be sticky. That's my thing. I just I don't want to be sticky. That sounds really gross. Um, But the unflavoredness, you still get to experience it without getting sticky or sugary. What about you, Kendall? I think I'd have to go for like a a good old ball pit type situation. Like the ones that they had in like, I think if y'all have Ikea play areas, anyone know what that is? No. It's like this... Parents could drop you off while they are shopping at Ikea. It's like a kid's area and there would be a big ball pit. That's I love that feeling. I don't know why. I just do. Cool. Okay. So this month, the Curry Health Center's focus is around substance use and specifically around harm reduction. And today we're going to talk about a little bit of statistics on usage in the university and then reflect further on what that means for us as a wider community. So we know that at the University of Montana campus, 85.3% of students have reported using alcohol in their lifetime. And that's according to the National College Health Assessment or NCHA, as we'll call it later. Also, 77.4% of people have reported having a drink in the last three months on this same survey. That's a lot, Ray. Yeah. That's like, wow. Mm -hmm. Can you imagine? I don't know. That's just... I can. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) I guess I can too. It does seem pretty normal. There's something that doesn't seem as normal to me and really surprised me, though, is that 33.5% of those who have drank in the past two weeks have consumed five or more drinks in one sitting. Five or more drinks is, that would make me feel sick. Yeah, that's considered a binge drinking in this. So after alcohol, we know that marijuana, hallucinogens, and cocaine are the most frequently used drugs in in that order. I I feel like that makes sense. Yeah. Out of the people I know. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I wouldn't expect, you know, like heroin to be up there at the university. Yeah, not as common in this demographic, I guess. No. Um, 
And we know that although the average number of drinks that people are consuming in one sitting at the university has been declining steadily since 2002, the quantity of drinking and the normalization of this drinking culture has created this kind of community that feels inextricable from the experience of college. Yeah, yeah, I see that. Mm -hmm. I mean, Missoula has so many breweries. I can list like five off the top of my head. There's like Imagination, Draftworks, Cranky Sam's, Kettle House. Tamarack. Tamarack. That's five. And there's definitely more. Yeah. Then there's Orange Street Food Farm. That's like probably one of the closest grocery stores to our campus. And they have the biggest beer selection out of any grocery store in Missoula. Mm -hmm. Plus a rack where you can get beer for $1. Basically, it's just really accessible. And even if you're not, you know, 21, there's a lot of access to alcohol, both on campus and off campus. Uh, It's really important to discuss that, especially because we have one of the biggest party holidays coming up, which is Halloween. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't know about you, but my experience in Missoula is that Missoula is notorious for not really carting people as well as Mm -hmm. some other towns or cities that I have been in mm-hmm. they're really relaxed with checking to see if people are 21 yeah. yeah I would say so too yeah not even just drinking we have dispensaries popping up everywhere mm-hmm. and from what I understand weed is going to be fully recreationally legal as of this next January in January yeah, yeah it January is. 2022 yeah so just more accessibility being created <sighs> totally for substance usage yeah And so I think that is why it's really important in the midst of this pervasive culture is to really consider personal options and autonomy in this. And so we have asked a lot of different students, why do you choose to use substances, whether that's alcohol or marijuana or cocaine or any other variety of these substances? Yeah. Or why you choose not to use substances, because some students, although a lot have consumed a drink in the past three months or ever in their lifetime, there are definitely a large number of students that choose not to engage in substance use at all on campus. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I choose to engage in substance use because I care about my body and my grades. It's called self-care, baby. I think part of it is for social reasons, like having people together and doing substances, and then also sometimes to deal with my anxieties in an unhealthy way. All right, so I choose not to engage in the use of substances uh, that are considered um, like drugs, um, like marijuana, tobacco, cocaine, uh, because I see it as a slippery slope. You know, if I get into weed, I might be more tempted to try other drugs. Yeah. Uh, although, ironically, I do drink um, on occasion yeah. uh, when the occasion calls. Uh, so, you know, I guess I'm a bit of a hypocrite there, but I do um, drink alcohol because I grew up with it. Um, it's part of my uh, the religion I grew up with, Judaism. Uh, we drink alcohol on special occasions, so I just grew up with it, and yeah. you know I know how to use it safely, um, but I don't use other drugs, I guess. I guess I choose to use substances as a way to enhance my life. I mostly choose not to use any substances uh, because I have a lot of anxiety, and I find that it really just enhances my anxiety, so I don't need to kind of induce my own panic attack. I'd like to, I'd like to not be panicked sometimes. <laughs> um, the main reason is for fun and like 
social settings or not social. Just kind of like, not because I'm with people and they're doing them too, but just, I don't know, it's a good vibe to be with other people and I'll be doing that. Um, and sometimes I drink to be more social, like get out of my comfort zone more and be able to talk to people and meet new people. Um, just everything's nice and fun and I don't know, it sometimes gives you a new perspective on things. I don't use substances, but just because I got a lot of genetics on both sides of my family that are prone to like alcoholism and substance abuse and stuff like that, so I've just chosen not to start using them. I choose not to use substances because I care about my academics and to be physically active, and I don't want to harm that. I do use substances, and I think in moderation, you can expand your mind and like get it's like different for everyone and everyone has different reasons but i do it for to get to my higher self to help like discover certain parts of myself <laughs> yeah i choose to engage in substance use most likely because of the social aspect but sometimes i wish i didn't um, so I, the only substance uses I agree to going into is alcohol. Um, I am much more of a person that will enjoy a beer from time to time, especially with I'm with friends or just like in a social setting, I'll have a beer or two. Um, but besides that, I really don't choose to do in any other uh, substances. Back in the day when I was a young, stupid person, um, <laughs> I agreed to do substance and uh, some, a good old upper and it was just, an awful experience. Um, I almost lost my best friend to the situation, so I just choose to never put myself in that situation ever again. And if I am in situations like that, to end up helping people so that way they don't potentially cause something to where they lose somebody very important to them. Um, I choose to use substances because <laughs> I'm, uh, because. I I think it's a nice way to like unwind and also like have fun with your friends. And sometimes I just want to. <laughs> I don't have like a really good reason. Sometimes I just want to and sometimes I just do what I want. So Yeah, I personally choose not to for my physical health. Um I am a nursing major and so I I see a lot of the consequences of heavy substance abuse. Um, and there's also some family history of very heavy substance abuse. And I really don't want to do that to my loved ones or to myself. And so my personal choice is not to. Um, I think a lot of it, I've thought about this before. And I think a lot of it is, comes down to like, the root of it is in social norms kind of. And like, um, just, it has become kind of a social thing for me where I don't necessarily like rely on substances for like my well-being or like my health, but um, I definitely find myself being more enticed by them when I'm around other people and like when I'm um, just in the situation where they, where they are there, you know? Um, I also, I have a connection of them being like leading to like more fun. And so um, I'm just like more exciting time and so and that's for me something that's I always want to have like more fun than whatever I'm doing and like um, 
to go the route of more fun is often like substances, whether that's like drinking or smoking more weed or just like eating some mushrooms to go out, you know, like it's totally like that just sounds like so much more fun than just going out sober, you know, and like seeing music or something is way more. It just changes the experience um, for better or for worse, obviously. But um, yeah, that's generally that's generally where I've gone with it or like um. Um, I choose to use substances in a way to lighten the social atmospheres so um, <laughs> I've actually never done anything in my life I've never um, drank or smoked or anything like that and um, the reason behind that is um, it, it's weird because how I look, people would assume that I would like do that kind of thing. And they're kind of surprised when I tell them I've never done that in my life. Uh, but the reason behind it is I never felt any curiosity. And um, I actually um, am neurodivergent. I'm like technically disabled. And so I already don't have that much control over like my mind and my thoughts. And so to get something to just add on that other level is just a lot. And never felt curious, um, history of abuse in my family, that type of thing. Yeah. But more so it's just, I already have such little control and to get rid of that is something that I am very, very afraid of that I'd never really risk. It seems to me that students really have a varied amount of reasons for using or not using substances, ranging everything from family history mm -hmm. to social mm -hmm. to just because they want to totally. or just because they don't want to. Some don't have a lot of reasoning either way, which is totally fine. Do whatever feels right for you. But there are some, I feel like, cultural aspects that really do influence why people choose to use substances. Yeah, I think so too. I think that while people have independent reasons that might be related to a culture of consumption or not, one of the most common ones is like work hard, play hard. It's like, I'm going to grind in school. I'm going to go to work. I'm going to get it done. And then I'm going to just drink myself silly, right? Or like, I'm yeah. just going to smoke myself silly. Yeah. And another one that I hear really common from like people might like Kendall and I are both seniors. And I feel like something that I hear specifically is that people are like, oh, it's okay, this level of consumption now, because when I graduate, I'll be like out of this culture, I'll grow up and then not want to use substances like this. Oh, yeah. I hear that one all the time yeah. being like, it's okay, we're just in college. Right. Like, That's how it is, right? Yeah. That's what college is. Exactly. Also, just like being like everyone else is doing it, you know, mm -hmm. like I don't want to be the odd one out. I want to mm. join in, which is really, I feel like, influenced by the activities that are available on weekends, weekend evenings, sports games, always encourage substance usage at sports games. There's Greek life, which notoriously has a high rate of substance usage. There is bar culture. It's just so incorporated yeah. in the things that we do in Missoula as college students. Even even skiing. Totally. Oh, my know? God. Yeah, absolutely. Like a big winter sport that people choose to spend a lot of their time doing. People will drink and smoke heavily yeah. while they're skiing. While skiing. Absolutely. Which is a whole other level of... That can be really dangerous. Yeah. It's true. Yeah. So, I mean, I think another part of that is sometimes we just don't even know how much of these substances we're putting into our body. Mm -hmm. So, with our podcast team, we decided to 
explore a little bit and figure out how good we were at figuring out the amount that is supposed to be in one drink. And this is with alcohol specifically. So it's kind of harder to like measure like, oh, how much is, you know, one bump of cocaine or something. That's not <laughs> really one puff of a cigarette, one of, puff of yeah, a joint. of a joint. Yeah. So we're not focusing on that. But what we can measure easily is what one standard drink is. And then based off of the amounts of what standard drinks are, it's easier to be able to quantify what counts as binge, quote unquote, binge drinking. Uh, and there's a lot of different factors that you can look at with that. Um, okay, so today we're going to be doing bartending school. So all of us are going to try to pour a drink, and then we're going to show you how realistic that drink is. We're going to pour four different drinks today. One of those will be a shot, one of them will be a glass of wine, and we'll pour a regular beer and then a craft beer, because craft beers normally have a higher alcohol percentage. Yeah. Awesome. Okay, let's get started. Yeah, um, I think I will try to pour a glass of wine. Nice. So I'll just nice. pour what I typically might pour myself and yeah. then compare that to like the recommended serving. Yeah. Okay, okay. <laughs> we'll see. Nice. Yeah. Okay. Flash colored wine. Yeah. Beautiful rose. Beautiful rose. These cups that we have here just kind of show how much a standard drink of the type of alcohol would be, and this is the one for wine. So, so let you see. pour that, Tori. Yeah. yeah, and this is five ounces, which is like one standard drink of wine. Oh. Oh. Oh my gosh. Tori. Oh! That was pretty close. That was yeah. very close. Very, that was very really close. Okay. So comparatively, we'll look back in the glass. That was about what I poured, which is yeah, pretty that's lucky. Yeah. <laughs> cool. So that's one standard glass nice. of wine. But you can see the glass is like, significantly bigger yeah yeah right before. yeah if you were filling that up all the way i'd be like three drinks at least, at least. I would yeah. Yeah. <laughs> totally wow okay i'm gonna try and do a shot so i'm gonna pour in here what i think what i think a shot would be and it's important to note that like different amounts of hard liquor are going to have different alcohol contents and so just kind of be aware of what your alcohol content is for how much you're pouring in your shot Oh, yeah. that's nice. Okay. So I think that's about a shot. This is judging off of a big cup. Let's see. <laughs> this is what <laughs> actual shot is. Which is one ounce, right? Yeah. One yeah. Ounce. Oh, that, that's a big shot. <laughs> <laughs> that is a healthy shot. <laughs> yeah. That was like a double shot. Yeah. yeah. Maybe. Yeah. That was pretty close. Yeah. Not too bad. Cool. Okay. Okay. Um, for mine, I'm going to take this and I'm going to try and pour a regular beer. And for the regular beer, I'm going to use this. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to pretend that this is like a Coors or a PBR or something. And I say that for a regular beer, like that much, I'd say. Is that really what you pour yourself? Yeah. Would I pour myself? Yeah. What would you pour yourself for a regular beer? Uh, I've never used a glass <laughs> this size before. Well, if you were like taking it from a keg, like yeah, that's true. What would you What would you put in there? Are you pressuring me to drink more? No, 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 no. <laughs> I think this is how much okay. I would pour. I think this is honestly how much I would pour. <laughs> you guys. Oh, this is a regular. Oh yeah, you're right. Okay, this is the regular one, and so this is twelve ounces. Oh, is it less? That's going to be embarrassing. 
Okay, so this was actually less. I guessed lower than what I thought. I think because I was stressed about the amount of wine that's in here. But um, that's a really interesting and unexpected turn of events. So normally most people, if they're drawing beer from a keg, would have filled the glass full most of the time. Um, and so that's kind of an interesting thing. <laughs> now, Who wants to do the dark beer or the craft beer? beer. Kettle, I think it's all you. Okay, yeah. yeah. I was going to say I might try and use that, but I know that I know how much is in there. So Do I'm going to okay. go off of this because that's a normal beer. Yeah, it is a normal beer. Okay. So if I'm pouring myself a craft beer, you might have to mix. Oh, yeah. <laughs> nice. I'd probably pour myself about that much. Yeah. yeah. For sure. For like a craft dark beer. beer. Yeah, yeah. And then this is a craft beer. And so normally craft beers have a higher alcohol percentage. So it's a little bit of a smaller amount. Like dark beers too, like IPAs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I guess that's not dark, but stout. <laughs> That'll have a higher alcohol. Oh, that was yeah. kind of close. That was pretty close. close. Yeah. You're closer than I was. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> nice. Okay, so what did you learn? It's confusing and hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a different cast. Yeah, because I think a lot of people would just think like, yeah, yeah, a glass, glass of beer. Totally. totally. I think one of the more dangerous ones is wine glasses are huge. Yeah, and you like if you pour this as a normal serving, that's like one third full, yeah. maybe. Yeah, and so Versus it's just like like so deceptive. Mm-hmm. What you would actually want to pour yourself might be more like. That which looks pretty reasonable. Yeah, yeah, it does. The size of the glass. Yeah, but in reality, how much is that overflowing? Like, here? yeah, it's gonna be a lot. It's a oh. lot. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's at least double. So yeah, yeah. I think one of the most interesting ones to me is always the shot of hard liquor because like normally people are just kind of like pouring randomly especially if you're pouring without like a shot glass to measure just into random mixed drinks if you're pouring a mixed drink and okay so you have your juice in here yeah you've poured your juice you've gotten like that much yeah a lot of juice yeah yeah and then you're just trying to pour a shot in there yeah and you just go like half and half you know yeah you're like like okay or something yeah like that looks good yeah but if i were to do that into this shot glass it would just totally go all over (laughs) everything and that's that's way more than a shot which is the moral of the story is that it you need to pay attention to how much you're drinking and what actual standard drinks are yeah especially if you're like yeah. going out for like a longer night yeah yeah you gotta taste yourself yeah and so we have this little conversion chart here i just want to share a fun fact a long island iced tea one is equal to six drinks <laughs> that's <Yeah>. ridiculous <laughs> so that's it's equivalent to having six more beers. yeah that's more than i would like to drink Ever. That's considered a binge. <laughs> yeah. Having one Long Island, one Long Island iced, iced tea. tea. Oh my gosh. Um, and it can be so tricky, especially with those, because like they don't taste like alcohol. No. no. Yeah. 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 There's, it's just a lot. Yeah. yeah. So thanks for taking the time to watch this, and we hope you learned something new. Yeah, absolutely. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Wow. We were so off yeah. with that. <laughs> we, I, this always happens. I've yeah. done this bartender challenge several times, <laughs> and I feel like I'm always like, oh, yeah, this is this much of a glass of wine. And then it's always like, 
overflowing in the glass and it's yeah, yeah it's never it's never <laughs> <No>. correct <laughs> Uh, yeah, I know. I feel like I should start using a measuring cup at home after doing that to really know. We know that one drink a day can really add up, even if people aren't necessarily having a a, quote, a binge again. Which um, is, that's more than five drinks in one sitting. Yeah, thank you. We know that if you are only drinking one drink in a night, but several nights a week, you know that that uh, still adds up to be a heavy level of drinking. Yeah, One study, according to the National Institute on Alcohol Abuse and Alcoholism, defines heavy drinking as, again, this is for a super gender binary. Uh, I just want to recognize that this definition is exclusive to a lot of people's experiences. But for men, consuming more than four drinks on any day or more than 14 drinks per week. And for women, consuming more than three drinks on any day or more than seven drinks per week. So for a woman, that would just be having a drink every day of the week, and that is considered heavy drinking, Mm -hmm. putting you at risk for alcohol abuse and alcoholism in Mm -hmm. your life. And then there's another definition. Do you want to talk about that one? Yeah, sure. So SAMHSA, which is the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration, defines heavy alcohol use as binge drinking on five or more days in the past month. Basically, that means if you're going out and partying and having like a binge drinking moment one weekend every weekend every like each month that also qualifies as heavy alcohol use or binge drinking yeah absolutely and i feel like i know a lot of people that do that oh me too that's the thing yeah it can it is people are like i worked really hard this week yeah i get to do what i want exactly totally which means forgetting with the assistance of substances yeah basically Yeah, and I think there are some risk factors specifically that lead us as college students to have higher usage. There's two types of drinking that we most commonly talk about. Drinking for positive reinforcement, which is for social situations, partying. Maybe you always like to have a drink with your group of friends. Maybe you go to a book club every week and you have wine, Mm -hmm. whatever it may be. Or there's drinking for negative reinforcement. So that is coping Mm -hmm. if you always drink when you get stressed yeah and yeah then you're stressed you're more likely to go and grab a drink something else that i think should be put in here is also drinking just because you like the taste i definitely know some people who drink for enjoyment of a beverage Mm -hmm. but usually that doesn't lead to heavy drinking Mm -hmm. yeah I think it's really important to note that like the it's not like if you are consuming a substance by yourself or only with like one other person that that's inherently a negative use of drinking or or using substances generally. Some people don't like to be around other people when they're consuming substances and like the social partying aspect can be one of the reinforcing factors that leads people to consume more than they otherwise would. And so I think it's really important to, you know, like there's more to this than just like you're with people, it's healthy, you're alone, it's unhealthy. Like that's not the thing, you know. Definitely. Because I've heard that a lot before. Yeah, me too. So like, oh, you had a drink alone? Yeah. We're going to worry about you now. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Where I think there's other situations that are more of a concern for worrying that don't necessarily receive that. Mm -hmm. People are more likely to be concerned about having a drink alone than going out and binge drinking on the weekend because that has been so normalized in our culture. 
there are some signs that people are using substances more than quote unquote normal, or I'm going to say more than would be like a healthy, ideal, balanced level of substance use. These are going to be decreased interest in classes and other activities you have going on, dramatic change in grades or academic performance. If you have shifts in your sleeping patterns or your, you feel like your weight is fluctuating re- like abnormally, there's time spent in new social circles where there's high levels of substance use that maybe you're unaccustomed to or that group has a reputation for high substance use, unexplained changes in behavior or personality, and then having uncharacteristic mood swings. These kind of things can result in things like depression, feelings of depression, feelings of irritability that feel really uncharacteristic and like, and you don't feel like these can be explained by life experiences that are happening. Yeah, right. I feel like that sounds really similar to the warning signs for mental illness. That list seems to line up with what people have told me and what I've learned in my life of recognizing depression or Mm -hmm. anxiety in my friend things like excessive fears or worries extreme mood changes like you were saying uncharacteristic mood swings Mm -hmm. withdrawal from friends and activities sounds really similar to decreased interest in classes and extracurricular activities and then i also think it's so interesting that one of the signs for mental illness is just problems with alcohol or drug abuse like which one is coming first Mm -hmm. there yeah you know how and How do you tell the difference? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I think it's really important to provide a distinction that we are not at all arguing that if you are using substances more than normal, you are going to experience feelings of mental illness or mental neuroatypical feelings as like a rule. That's not at all what we're saying here. We're just trying to point out the similarities between the symptoms that are experienced between people who are struggling with their mental illness or mental health and people that are using substances at a high or unhealthy level. Yeah, yeah, that's true, for sure. It's so interesting that they, the, like, signs and symptoms overlap so much. Yeah. I think it's also really interesting to point out that a lot of UM students are struggling with mental health right now. Yeah. From what we know statistically, especially in the past year, again, according to NCHA, it showed us that mental health, especially during the pandemic, for college students really got a lot worse Mm -hmm. and and substance use went way up right so those two things while not necessarily existing all the time together both of those things are happening at really high rates with students at um yeah yeah and so i think that brings it to it's important to ask yourself the question why are you using substances Mm -hmm. just as we pose to Our campus community, you heard a couple of those reasons, like reflecting that question Mm -hmm. back onto yourself and really being in touch with your body and what you're feeling and asking Mm -hmm. yourself, like, is this a coping mechanism Mm -hmm. for me? And coming up with that, because even though like mental illness can be a risk factor, there's a bunch of other risk factors Mm -hmm. that we as college students experience, such as family history of substance use disorders Mm -hmm. or... Or beliefs about substance use. If some people are coming to college with the belief that really high levels of substance use is normal or necessary or acceptable, that's going to lead to a much higher use of substances. Yeah. The risk factor of being a member of a fraternity or sorority can increase things a lot. The fact that college is a time of transition between childhood and adulthood. And a lot of people can view substance use as kind of this transition 
like using substances is the difference between being a child and an adult. Mm -hmm. Or maybe their parents never let them engage in substance use and now they're without parental supervision and they're interested and curious. I think that's really normal too. Yeah. I think it's just really important to consider how all these factors, whether they're happening or not in your life, are very overlapping, very interdependent. Like if you are experiencing any of those factors in your life, that's going to impact your substance use. And I think just going back to the asking yourself why you're using substances, having that conversation each time or, you know, having a check in as often as possible about each time that you're using a substance, each time you're using a different type of substance. They're like, I don't feel the same every day. I don't feel the same every hour, every minute necessarily. Like my, like, it's almost like the idea of giving yourself consent and having this like, like this buffer really quick to be like, okay, you know, I'm actually feeling really like upset and sad. And like, I don't know that now's a good time for a glass of wine. Maybe I need to like find a different route to address this rather than like my response to this bad feeling being the use of a substance. And, you know, later when I'm feeling a little more like I've gotten my tasks in a row, I'm not feeling like I'm going to have to use a substance and then do a bunch of other things, but that I'm feeling relaxed. I want to have a bonding time with my social friends and I want to have this glass of wine now. Just really, it's just mindfulness, you know? Yeah. And that is such a great transition into kind of this idea of harm reduction Mm -hmm. with substance usage. There is such a large spectrum between binge drinking, and no engagement in substance use at all, Mm -hmm. or binging on any type of substance Mm -hmm. and no substance usage at all. Mm -hmm. And I feel like we're not introduced to that range a lot. It's Mm -hmm. portrayed a lot in the media, Mm -hmm. especially, and just around us, as there are two extremes. But mindfulness can be really helpful in engaging in harm reduction in your own life. Mm -hmm. Really being aware of why you're using a substance, when you're using a substance, how it makes your body feel. Mm -hmm. When you start to feel addicted or get cravings, Mm -hmm. really being aware of those signals because a lot of times those cravings are signals that you're probably using too much. Or that you're using in a way that is not sustaining you in a good way. That it's it's actually... To your, to your detriment, maybe, in some ways. Yeah. And being mindful that there are other ways to be social. There are other ways to cope. And we need to be talking about those more. Yeah. Yeah. I think. Because when it feels like the only option is engaging in substance use, mm-hmm. you're going to turn to that. Yeah. One of my favorite tips to give people just with regards to smoking specifically is this idea of, like, trying like either combining these herbs or whatever with what you're smoking or just taking a cessation from whether that's smoking cigarettes, whether you're smoking a lot of cannabis. Uh, I know the Butterfly Herbs has a really yummy smoking blend and that can kind of help to be like if you if you have a, a habit of, of smoking and you want to have that feeling of, of smoke in your lungs removed necessarily, don't want to have that be a substance. There's other things that you can be smoking. Um, and so the smoking blend is a really good option. Also, mullein is a really good option. It grows. It's a uh, not a native species around here. It grows along the Kim Williams Trail. You can pick leaves and then dry them out and mm. then smoke them. And it's not it's not as good as smoking nothing. No, but it's, it's still smoking. It's your still body. smoking, but it's it's a better harm reduction. Yeah. moment. And actually, the flowers from mullein have been shown to help with 
symptoms of asthma. They're anti-inflammatory. Yeah. Yeah. It's really cool. It is really cool. There's also things like non-alcoholic beer mm-hmm. that can still be really yummy. Again, if you're drinking for more of that flavor aspect, trying some non-alcoholic beer could be a really good way to go down that. Or things like mocktails. Yeah. Just drinking juice. Mm-hmm. Having a like yummy beverage that you like drinking with your friends, but that beverage does not always have to be an alcoholic beverage. Yeah. And then just doing things with your friends also that don't involve alcohol. Yeah. You can like being strategic yeah. about it and being like, tonight we're gonna go have a picnic in a park or we're gonna go fly kites or have a puzzle night. You know, there's so many wholesome things. I wanna do all of those. Yeah, things. it's yeah. Right, you wanna do <laughs> we some? should do this. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. I think also getting like a group of friends to commit to having a night. Where you're going to be sober can be really good because it, again, brings that social aspect back in where then you'll, you are all holding each other accountable yeah. for experiencing things without substances. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean that you don't, like, you don't always have to do that. You can do that sometimes and then engage in substance use other times. But just it comes back to, like, balance and moderation. Yeah. And all these things that are preached at you all the time, they really are good for you. I yeah. promise. <laughs> And there's more even. I know we have this really cool organization mm-hmm. in Missoula called Open Aid Alliance. Mm-hmm. What do they do, Ray? They do so many cool things. They provide clean needles for if you have any kind of intravenous drug use. They also have fentanyl testing strips, which are really important. There are all sorts of substances in Missoula and Montana broadly that have fentanyl in them. And it's really important to do your research about that. Go and listen to our first podcast episode from last year about harm reduction and get more information about that. Yeah. They also post about like when there is a lot of fentanyl in drugs. Yeah. Because there will be higher overdoses. For people who don't know what fentanyl is, it is a drug that can be laced in a lot of other drugs like Mm -hmm. meth or heroin or Mm -hmm. cocaine. It's really potent. It's very common to have uh, drug poisoning from fentanyl. Mm Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So really important to know if your drugs have fentanyl in them or not because it could be honestly the difference between life or death. Absolutely. There's also things that are a little bit less intense than, like, fentanyl, such as, like, taking an edible versus smoking weed. Yeah. Smoking weed is going to put smoke in your lungs, which is more harmful Mm -hmm. than taking an edible. Yeah. Just in overall lasting effects on your body. True. So, again, going for that harm reduction aspect of if you're not going to cut it out all the way, what are ways that you can help your body not feel as many negative health effects in your life? And I think just coming back to that idea of being sober curious, if you are someone who participates in substance use a lot and that's a really frequent part of your life, or maybe it's not a frequent part of your life, think about and be curious about what it feels like in your body to not have any substances and just just be curious about it. Just practice. Maybe you're like, man, I've been smoking a lot of weed. Like tonight, I'm going to not smoke weed and I'm just going to see what that is like and just like notice how your body feels whether that's a and whether you're like oh no I don't want that or whether you're like yeah I do want more of that I would like to prolong this just being really intentional about why you're using substances and in what situations you're using those substances absolutely I really like that phrasing sober curious I think yeah it makes me curious makes me curious circling back just like what does this mean for us as students I think Substance usage has become something that is synonymous with the college experience and trying to untie those two things from each other 
can almost be kind of scary mm-hmm. and confusing. But I think it's possible. I think so too. I think that it's just, it just really comes back to breaking down that culture and thinking for yourself, thinking independently, being intuitive with your body and mindful about how things are making you feel. If you want to know more about the interactions between various substances and alcohol, tune into our mini episode that's going to come out a little later this month. Uh, We're going to be talking with specialist in the pharmacist department of curry and i'm not going to tell you who they are because i don't want to give away the surprise but it's gonna be very spooky though super spooky (laughs) and it'll be great to listen to right before halloween so you Mm -hmm. can be aware of how substances interact so you can make more educated decisions on halloween one of the biggest party weekends of the year so for today we want to thank our podcast team tori who is the editor Alex, the Health Buzz coordinator, Ray, who's a host and researcher, and myself, Kendall, who is also a host and researcher. There's a transcript to this podcast available in the show notes, and you can find Curry on all social medias at Curry Health Center. Thanks for listening. Until next time, UM. 